welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast. This Tuesday, we're coming at you live. Uh, we've got the full crew with us. Welcome back, Allie. Yeah. And, uh, was out last week. And as always, welcome, Camille. And myself and fellers, we're good to be with you this Tuesday. This is season nine, episode 10 of the Built on Air live podcast. We come live each Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, and we always do four segments on our show. We'll start off with around the bases segment where we talk about what's going on in the Airtable communities. Then we'll do a quick spotlight on our primary sponsor, Onto Air. We will then dive into the new interfaces and learn a new uh, interface that Camille has built and showcase that. We will then have a special guest joining us, Drew Dillon, and he is a creator and builder of a product that is built on top of Airtable. So we'll get a sneak peek at um, what he's working on. We'll also do another spotlight on Ontario, our primary sponsor. And then we'll dive into what Drew has prepared for us to show. So we'll he'll be joining us midway through the uh, episode today. So as always, with Round the Bases, we kick off on what's going on in the Airtable community. And we always start with Airtable's own community. I thought I would uh, highlight the fact that they have a new uh, segment in... Um, or a new channel within their community all about the new interface designer. <laughs> and um, you last week, we dove deep into um, that as it just came out the day that, that we aired last Tuesday. So check out that episode if you haven't already, and you'll see our initial reactions to it. But Ali, since you weren't with us last week, what are your impressions now that you've played with it for a, a bit? Oh, um, well, I was hoping for like a like aha moment, I guess, but like, I don't know. I'm, and it's still in beta, so yeah. my hopes are high that they'll add a lot to it. But like, I mean, there's the obvious, you know, shortcomings that I've seen a lot of people complaining about. Like, they were really hoping that this would be something to replace like their third party tools to share with people outside of the base. 
I could survive without that for now. Like I'm happy with my mini extensions and stacker at the moment, but like, I don't know. I wish there was a little more flexibility. Like we were just talking about adding apps to it, like, and not just the chart, like, and I also could go on and on about how I don't <laughs> like the chart that is in the interface uh, builder, but um, if they had like pivot tables or like, like literally like just the ability to add apps, because I've been really into those dashboards recently. And I was hoping that this would be like the cool new dashboard to build, but really it's super limited. But yeah, I yeah. see a lot of potential. Camille, a couple of days later, what any other impressions you've had in general? Um, I think I like where it's going. Um, right now, I have a different set of limitations. So the ability to add um, or delete records in certain instances, I think is limited. I think in a way, I think they limited it because of the way the beta was launched. Um, I can't imagine it would remain limited. Um, I think they were just trying to get people to start using it without doing something destructive to their to their base, if that makes sense. Like suddenly accidentally creating a whole bunch of records or suddenly accidentally deleting a whole bunch of records, which would have been worse. Um, but I, you know, have used it enough where I'm pretty sure I know what I'm trying to build. So it's frustrating that some of the options that I want to be there aren't there yet. Um, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, I'm going to, uh, Rebecca says she misses the right click options. I would agree. Um, there's, there's a couple of things that are in, that is in interface designer that isn't in dashboards or other pieces of the product that I'm going to do my best to sort of mention while I go over an example that I build when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, you know, with anything new, it's it's cool and exciting and, and it definitely has a visual wow factor to it. And then you start digging into it and you're like, oh, what about this? What about that? And so you can see, you know, in just a short week, the list of uh, items and questions and, and feature requests, wish list items is growing exponentially. So I, I continue, I think that will continue to, to happen. Um, so if you want to stay on top of the updates to interface designer and, and provide your feedback, there's a special channel just for that. So, um, I wasn't going to go through all of these, but there's definitely a lot, the common ones that, that have already been talked about, but there's quite a few, um, getting lots of discussion buttons, not working. That's another huge one. <laughs> Well, the, that one I'll go over, Okay, you know, buttons and stuff. There's another one that I'm um, going to make reference to relating to in interface designer. You can filter by current user and someone was like, why can't I do that in views? And my response is it doesn't make any sense at all for views. And I'll explain why when I get there. Yeah. Yeah. And another comment from Scott, not a fan of how it takes over the home screen. And yeah, if you go to the home screen, it, it's right there on top and it's kind of jarring. Um, definitely it, gets your attention. It's pushed, it's positioned oddly. I think Kavan said it, that she thinks it's there because um, they want people to see it um, and they don't want it to be buried. But, you know, logically it makes the most sense to be, you know, placed in whatever workspace the base it's based off of is in because they're tied together um, explicitly. Um, yeah. yeah. I also really get bothered by 
I, I feel like they could, I, I just miss my Airtable icon in like the top left corner. Like I yes. want to be able to go back to my workspaces really quickly without having to go base then workspaces. Like, yeah, why that's weird. I, yeah, why? <laughs> I, I agree. That one's weird. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So hopefully they're uh, taking all this feedback and, and continue to iterate on it. So we'll see. We'll see what the future holds for interface designer. So yeah, so lots lots of discussion on that. That I, I, most of last week, I think, was um, most of the interesting topics were were relating to interface designer. Also across other communities, um, other you know Reddit. Obviously, every community is talking about it. Um, so I I have links that will be in the show notes if you want to see all the different reactions of everybody talking about uh, interface designer. So uh, that's kind of, yeah, lots of discussion on that. There was a lot of discussion that, uh, Ali, I think you mentioned of, does this replace the stacker and softer and other platforms that, that people rely on and many extensions for interacting with your data outside of Airtable? Um, and, and some people say, you know, this is the beginning of the end for some of those others. I know I listened to Garris video. He, he, you know, he doesn't think that those are going away anytime soon. Um, so depending on who you ask, you'll get different responses of what this means regarding third-party apps. But as of now, in its current state, it does not, for sure, does not um, replace those products. For sure. There's a, also, this is, little off topic but i was looking at the screenshots that they have for interface designer like the the air table released and there was one where they there was a chart and there were lines across the chart that were like goal it was like you know they were able to add like a reference point to the chart that was like this is the goal and this is where the bar chart is reaching it which is just not something that's ever been possible in air table charts so yeah that makes me excited, but also annoyed because I'm like, why would you put that in the screenshot yeah. if you can't do it? There's there's also screenshots showing the uh, org chart app um, or not an app, an element. It's a, it's a different thing, um, but remarkably similar to the org chart app within an interface. So, you know, that could mean a couple of different things. Either they're converting more apps into elements or they're going to erase the line that exists between them. I don't think that the, I don't think the latter is going to happen because that's difficult. Um, and you would have to rewrite, I think every single app in order to do that. And I, I don't foresee them making that leap. I hope you're wrong, Camille. <laughs> I mean, I'm frequently wrong. I think we've established that I am horrible at guessing um, Airtable-based items. But, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of, uh, you know, you, you have to do some re-hooking re and some of those apps are complicated. And yeah. all third-party apps, Dan and I both, we're going to have to rewrite all ours too. Yeah. Yeah, but I think the, and Ali mentioned this maybe before the show of, you know, the difference, like looking at the chart app, like that looks like they completely rewrote the chart app. It wasn't just a clone of the app in the, in the app marketplace, right. which tells me that you would think if they had kind of that idea of moving apps in that they would have used, you know, the, the chart app that they already have, um, so that's kind yeah. of indicator. It's kind of it, there appears to be a trend of um, 
using apps as as they sort of existed and then building something more fluid out of them like gantt and timeline used to be apps and now they're views and the code is very similar but we know when timeline was made into a view they added a whole bunch of features Mm -hmm. because you could do more with a view than you could with an app with the elements in interface it's not quite the same it's very similar but it's different because of the environment that interfaces allows um, whereas dashboards and apps are somewhat limited, they're they're insular and they only look at themselves as opposed to the entire environment that they're placed in. So um, I don't know the exact direction they're going to, but I just know whenever you convert something into something else, you are, you know, there's a fair bit of work involved. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so definitely lots of discussion there. Uh, Rebecca mentions if you could embed the interfaces then you would just embed them into the apps dashboard to be able to get all the functionality of of the apps as well so interface could could become an app that gets embedded every interface that is published has a link and the embed app lets you embed anything that has a url so i think you can already do this um yeah you will be loading i think the entire base inside of the entire base so you're you're computer will be slow but you can do it yeah correct yeah but it wouldn't be tied to you know the table view that you'd be looking at like no it would it would be divorced it's unlike unlike open sides amplify where you can you know sort of say look at whatever view i'm currently looking at and have that update my app they would be separate from another and that's not interfaces really that's the embed app the embed app has no way to pass what it's seeing versus what's in it's yeah, it's complicated hopefully that makes sense yeah all right moving on so more discussion on reddit you know there there's questions here similar um, to the uh, airtable community you know, the ability to add a record seems like that's a pretty common uh, request. And I know Kavan has showed multiple workarounds for that, setting up automations to to create your records. So there's there's definitely ways around it, but but definitely not um, ideal to, you know, have to leave the interface to then create a new record. Um, all right, moving on. So outside of interfaces, some other things going on in, in different communities. Um, this was a question um, asking about, so actually, so the timeline doesn't have support for time, meaning what I took from this, and although it says calendar shows time, I think they're saying uh, the calendar view, you can see the time. Yeah, FYI, that's me. This is oh, one of the, f- the few times where I interact <laughs> on Reddit. Um, yeah, depending on what calendar view type you're looking at. Well, that's confusing. If you're looking at a calendar view, depending on the in- interval of time you're looking at, it will show you the hours in the day. Um, so day view, I believe the three day view um, will show you by time. Um Week might be wrong. I don't think week shows you the hours, but three day and day, I believe, do. Okay. But you cannot um, set your timeline to be like a day where you see the time. Correct. Right. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I noted that when timeline first came out, it was the same thing with the app. You couldn't do it in the app version either. But in the view version, you know, it would be nice to have smaller increments 
other than week, even if it was, even if the smallest increment was a day, I don't know if we need to get all up in the hour per se, but it would be nice to see a smaller interval of time for people who are scheduling, you know, like conferences or something, um, which is, I think, a common use case for Airtable, um, scheduling events. Um, you Sometimes you can't look at things at week level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, the calendar view actually works pretty well for that, but I would like to see it as a timeline, too. Like, I, yeah, you could the calendar. It's kind of nice. You you can break it down by day, three day, et cetera. But I mean, I like I like the look and feel of the timeline. Yeah, I can kind of see they're going forward timeline, seeing things at a wider scale, like think, imagining like a project manager sort of thing. You're not going to look at a project by the hour per se. You're going to look at it over this project is going to take X amount of months, yada, yada. And I think that's what they had in mind. Um, but, you know, just to make it more flexible, I think they can add a smaller increment of time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to Twitter again. More, um, more uh, uh, discussion. Although this one, uh, let's see. So this one was a discussion. So this is a good, you know, mini use case that that somebody talked about how they built their their product on Airtable. So they go through all the different steps. So if, if you want kind of a, a proven use case of a company using Airtable and how they do it, um, that's a pretty nice uh, thread there talking about it at Animals Co. So that one, let's see what else we got. Um, so this is feedback based off of the uh, the launch last week just finished the game. I don't think I'd go that far. I think yeah, they're... I wouldn't. I think they, <laughs> I think they started the game. Yeah, I th I think they did the coin toss and the you know jump ball. They haven't finished the game. It's a beta. Right. E even if you loved everything about interfaces, now you know net positive overall. Yeah, it's not done. Yeah, there's more. Yeah. So here's one. So they're kind of on the side that this will be the end of the stacker and co, but uh, definitely push back there. So that top yeah. comment there is one of, is my boss. That's fine. Ah, ah cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We are heavy stacker users for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So he's getting in on that as well. Yeah. So you'll definitely, it's not the first time. There's been an opinion on Twitter that that you don't agree with. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> I do think it's really smart that Stacker. I think a while, like right when, I mean, do you, you remember when Stacker was Air Portal, and then they rebranded, and I think they're they were really smart to add in their like other data sources, like just yeah. in case this did go down the path of like you know Airtable is just going to swallow it all up. Like they still have. Salesforce, Google Sheets, et cetera, yeah. to keep them afloat. Well, and now their own, they're launching their own back end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they're, I think they, you know, I think especially when they raised a ton of money, they, they kind of knew they were going down that path mm -hmm. for sure. So, some more. So, showcasing some, some dashboards of what you could build. I mean, you could have built, you know, this in, in the dashboard view. Um, but this is built in interfaces. So it's kind of cool to see what, what people are doing, what they're building in, uh, 
in Airtable and sharing that with the world. So just, yeah, lots of feedback, lots of discussion. There, there's several threads on, on Twitter about the launch from interfaces and in general, I think most people are excited about it. I think they see the, the shortcomings, but in general, I think, um, people are happy with it, much needed, you know, path that the air table needed to go down. So a couple more um, threads that we've got going on here. We've got, um, um, this is from Hacker News, which is a pretty technical um, forum and, and lots of developers and whatnot. And we've, we had this discussion, I believe uh, it was me and Camille talking a couple of weeks ago about no code movement and what that meant. There was a pretty interesting thread that I thought was worth sharing in our in our show notes. If you want to dive deep into it, you know, a lot of people kind of, you know, say no code is just a buzzword, and um, so we've kind of hashed that that topic in the past. But I found this thread recently and worth sharing with the community. What else we got here? Um, so this was a, an article with the. Uh, an interview with the CEO of Airtable, Howie Liu, and talking about, um, you know, just the path of, of building it. I'm always a fan. I've shared other articles and interviews with, with Howie in the past, but so I always like reading these and kind of trying to gain insight into where he's, where he's thinking the future of Airtable is going. So it's a good interview talking about that and talking about how the pandemic really um, helped Airtable with, with growth and companies adopting it during, during that period. So it was kind of an inflection point for them. And then another one, this is from, I believe he works at Airtable. He's a developer, yeah, talking, or he's on the design team talking about um, the design aspect of 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 uh, Airtable and how it kind of all fits together like a Lego piece and how it's evolved. So kind of the analogy he shares is when you start with Legos, you just have the blocks, but then over time they evolve into more, you know, pre-built mini, you know, figures and and towns and things like that and gets complex like like this and so kind of the evolution of Airtable is you started with simple blocks and now with like the interface you've got more pre-built tools that you can use so good article talking about uh the evolution of the the ui of of Airtable so any other any other comments anything stand out this week in in the Airtable world Just the response to interfaces. I think that's basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's been the overwhelming majority, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, all right, with that, we're gonna uh, move on. We're gonna do a quick spotlight on our primary sponsor, Onto Air, which is an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that do a variety of different things help you on the front end interacting with your data to the back end of um, of um, backing up your data, doing performing automation. So check out ontoair.com for all the tools. In today's spotlight, I'm going to bring in a new screen here. 
And we are very close to pushing a new release of uh, our Ontair Amplify app, which is somewhat competitive to interfaces, but actually does many different things. It doesn't try to solve the same thing that interface does, but it is in the marketplace. And now our next release that should be coming out any day now, tomorrow or Thursday, I wanted to give a sneak peek in what's coming. We now have the ability to have uh, grid views. So you can actually um, create layouts that are on top of each other. We used to just support columns. And if I can get this to drag down below, there we go. You can now get them on top of each other. You can create lots of different um, grids and, um, and do that. We have new editors. We have an updated Markdown editor that's um, a pretty nice way to interact with your Markdown data. We have text editor now. We also have our Google editors to interact with your Google Docs. Um, and, and in our next spotlight, we'll showcase some of our other features that we'll be releasing. So be ready for that. Check out Ontair Amplify. There are some game changing. I'm going to tease that for the next um, ad segment later in the show of some of the cool stuff that has never been able to be done before in Airtable. And we'll be introducing that with this new release coming out. So check out Ontair Amplify in the Airtable marketplace. All right, our next segment, we're going to a case for interface. We're going to dive deep into the interface and Camille is going to show us that. Go ahead. All right. So um, I made the interface for something that I want to use eventually. So it's not something I'm currently using in practice um, at my workplace, but once there's a few things that are sort of resolved with interface designer, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be using this in practice. So we're currently just sort of looking at the overview page for my interface. It has um, three sort of pages within it. And I'm just going to kind of go over what I have built. Um, and then as I'm going to go, I'm going to talk about some limitations that I ran into, things that I want to change and things that I like. So it is pretty simple um, on the first page. This is just so I can see um, each of my projects at a glance. Um, so I'm using one of the pre-built templates that allows you to have the record list on the left-hand side. And up at the top, um, I have a filter component with a, a chart that goes over the remain the tasks associated with this project and how many um, hours we have left assigned per person. This is something we do a lot in my field where um, you know, everybody needs a project manager for the way that we sort of handle projects. We, um, when we sign contracts for things, we assign ourselves how many hours we think we're going to spend on each task. And then to stay on budget, we, you know, keep track of how many hours we've actually spent. So this is something that our like accounting system doesn't let us do easily. Um, so I just wanted something that we could all see at a glance. Um, so I have this sort of like overview field um, um, or overview sort of um, layout going on, um, simple filters up at the top. Um, because adding 
um, records is not easy. I've done two things on this page. One is I have a simple text element that is a link to a Airtable form so I could quickly add another project. There's only really three fields for project, the number, the name, um, and then the links to all of the tasks. So that's fine that I just need a simple form to add it. But in a perfect world, I'd be able, if I had the permissions to do so in my base, to just click down here, create a new project. It'd be nice if I could do that. Um, and then this button here is just a link to another uh, page within this interface. So all interfaces have um, unique URLs, just like the rest of Airtable. And if you look at the URL for an interface, you can... Uh, start to figure out how it's built. So um, I'm only sharing my tab right now. So I'm going to stop sharing and share my whole thing so we could see the, uh, um, so we could see the URL up at the top. Um, can you guys see stuff? Yeah. Okay. So first part of the URL is the base ID. Um, second part of the URL is the page that we're looking at. And then the third parts are, depending on how many record pickers you have, um, is how you start to pre-fill things. So, you know, each element has its own ID and it doesn't follow, um, as far as I could tell, it doesn't follow a predictable pattern of what it is. But once you figure out the different pieces of this URL, you could probably figure it out. The first one present is going to be the first one, I believe, that has been added um, it's either the first one added to the page or it is the first one vertically and leftmost. I can't tell which of it is. It's a little, you know, you have to sort of play around to figure out which of these record IDs is the one that you want. At some point I figured it out and was able to make a pre-filled, um, URL, um, and then add it to my base. Um, and that's how that previous button worked. So I could jump straight to what this project is and then it's sort of sub page. So simple fields to edit what the project or what the task for this project is. And if I wanted to switch the project, I would go down here and do that. Um, and I could switch between the major tasks like this and then subtasks I have linked here. And then from there, um, I can click on each of these two subtasks to say how many hours I have planned for each person working on this task. This is the way that um, we have to set up our sort of um, project management um, bases where we need um, at least one junction table to say, Camille should only spend four hours on task 1.1 and then on task 2.2, she should work 30 hours and then the amount of um, hours remaining. Um, from there, um, I haven't figured out the best way to transition to the My Tasks one, but this is making use of one of my favorite sort of features in interfaces that isn't necessarily present in dashboards um, is stacked filtering. Um, so... Um, I'm going to edit this so we can kind of see what's going on. I have a filter component up at the top where if I wanted to say, right now it's showing me every single um, task that's assigned to me. Um, 
And if I wanted to filter that further by project, I've heard um, some people say that using the filter component, um, if you change, you can add, um, I add in this collaborator thing, right? You could say by Camille and then whoever's you're sharing this interface with, you know, they could turn that filter off. Um, that's why I like that uh, interfaces have stacked filters where that's not in here. It's not selectable and editable at all, but the component itself, each of these, um, um, these two, this chart and this grid have their own filter where um, collaborator is current user. And then it's also connected to this filter component at the top. So um, if they can't edit the interface itself, um, you have to be a creator, I believe, to edit the interface. Then, you know, you're able to hide the fact that you're only showing people certain amount of information, but still giving them the amount of information that they want to filter up at the top. Mm -hmm. So that's similar to um, if you share a view and the view already has a filter, I think. Maybe. Yeah. I, I yes. Would say, yeah. Except for in uh, this case, you can still get back directly into the base. That is true. So there's, there's two separate things that were, um, if I'm in, you know, let me exit out of here because I didn't make any really changes. So um, if we're looking at an interface, you could always go back into the base by doing this. And now we're in the base. Um, and sort of the, the, um, going in between one record and all of its sub records affecting all of the components at once. Um, Allie on our show has demonstrated um, how you could do similar functionality uh, like this before, where if you have um, a simple checkbox that say dashboard, you're saying only highlight this record in the dashboard and then all of my tasks who are linked to this record have a lookup field that say only show me records in um records that have that dashboard in the lookup field selected right. so you would end up you know roughly similar you have different apps available to you because you know they were built for dashboards and not for interfaces um changing that um check mark is less fun um <laughs> i i've added a script that lets you do this mm -hmm. which is you know, Super. it's it's quick, but it's also silly. Mm -hmm. No, no one I work with is going to want to do that. So it's right. just it's just the fact of the matter. Um, and none of these really talk to each other, so they can't. I can't have. Um, you know, if I wanted to get in here and say have this um, chart really connected to what this is showing, I can't. Mm -hmm. um, it's just. They're, they're insular. And so they're, it's, it's a different sort of thing. Um, for the most part, if you're already making use of Airtable's dashboard features, you're probably fine to not uh, transition over into interfaces yet, unless there's a piece of interfaces that you've seen that you want to show. So um, also, if you wanted to share a dashboard, you also have to share the whole base. That's right. That's not a thing that's limited to just interfaces. That's, you know, even if you went with this setup, if you wanted to share this, you have to share the whole base as well. Um, 
right underneath it. So either people can see all your data or they don't. <laughs> no, I was really excited. I mean, I was like, oh, like that whole air hack that I had, you know, demoed before. I I was like, oh, this could totally replace that and like make it so much cooler and easier to use. But I'm still going to stick with my air hack version just because it's so limited in what I can display. I, I like yeah. And when, yeah. once there's more elements in an interface, I think it'll be you know, the suitable replacement for it at the moment. I mean, if you, like I was showing the, I think that was matrix or pivot table. Um, If you rely on the pivot table app to kind of summarize your data, there is no pivot table element here yet. So, and I can't even say yet, I don't know if they're going to make that transition over. So if you're reliant on certain specific things from the dashboard, we're probably safe to just remain in dashboards. If you aren't, and if you're building something, um, you know, from scratch, test it out to see if you can do what you want to do. Cause I could do most of what I want to do. Um, this isn't linked to a, a record, this grid element, which is why I can add records to it and also delete records from it. So if I'm only planning my hours for a task, then I'm fine and I could use this, but I want to also be able to do that um, for projects overall. So there's, um, I think that's the only thing stopping me from using, um, this interface. And by that, I mean, I'm using it. I'm not using it for my other coworkers yet. Right. Cause they're not going to want to, um, I know how to make records in your table. Hope the whole point, um, of this is to make it so it's an easier interface, to um, interact with stuff. And if they still have to go into the base to add records, then that's, you know, kind of defeating the the purpose of me building this specifically. So. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, when, when adding and um, editing records from the list sort of component um, is made available, I think that's the one thing that it's missing from my perspective. There's a bunch of other stuff missing um, from other use cases uh, that people would find useful, but for me, they're not needed for this, for this project. Right. I think I'm also, I've, one thing that really bothers me so far is like, I mean, forget about like the, like dragging things around the screen, I feel like it's sometimes pretty glitchy and I've actually had things disappear on me a couple of times. Um, just like gone poof. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, I really wish, cause when you set up for, from like a blank template, if you don't use a template rather, you just start with a blank page, you can't get this view that you're looking at right now. Yes. This component here, record list is only available if you choose the record list yeah. template. Um, I don't know why. Yeah. I don't get it. I really, I, it would be helpful if you could just, you know, add it to a, a section and I'm just I get so confused about how they segment these blocks off like if I drag it somewhere like sometimes I just can't put the block there at all or the element rather I don't know if I've been stopped yet from putting something somewhere and I haven't had something disappear on me but I you know <laughs> I believe that it happened like I'm I'm pretty <laughs> I mean, I'm everywhere I'm intending to drag it is allowing me to. I don't like that I can't right align things. Like if I put my mouse over here, it will align everything to the left. Um, 
I think that's a design choice, but I want to make that choice for myself. Yes. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a few things just design wise or like layout wise that bother me, but other yeah. than that, I'm, I'm happy with how it generally looks pretty slick and pretty nice. And you've yeah. done a really nice job. Camille, this looks great. I think the sort of general direction, um, of what I can reasonably infer. So, um, you know, we all have our wish lists of, of what can be added or, or what should be added. And, you know, one thing is like, oh, connecting multiple bases. I don't think Airtable ever said that. I think that's something we all sort of just came up with because the URL includes the base ID, which suggests that that's not where they're going. Um, right. So reasonable <laughs> inferring from what I, I see before me. Um is you know fine. Missing a few um from a functional standpoint. If I have the permissions to edit or add records, I should be able to add records easily and I can't yet. Also a button component. I think those are my two sort of things. Like you could add a text component that has a link in it, but I want it, you know, formatted as a button. That's pretty simple. Right. Or like, and the the button's not working. Like, like I, a button works. Well, a, that would make sense to me because it's a button, good. if the button activates an app um, or opens a dashboard, dashboards don't exist here. Yeah. So there's nothing for it to open. That yeah. one makes sense to me. You would have to in, you would have to add in all of the apps in order for this, or it would just open up in a new tab. So there's two ways you could do it. Um, opening up in a new tab, I think is the easiest. Um, and I think for, I don't know, half the people that would be sufficient. But if you want it like available in the sidebar, you would performance hits. Yeah, it's it just, it bothers me. I mean, I think I'm just annoyed only because I have tons of use cases where buttons to run scripts are integral to using Airtable. And so mm -hmm. if I'm trying to put, and I really want people to get out of Airtable, I want to like take the people that are using it and like give them an interface to use. Um, and that I just, it won't be possible if they can't click a button to do something, you know, other yeah. than open, open a link. Yes. So. So, so there's some functionality that cannot be replaced without, you know, um, a script or um, some people have automation set up to do things. Um, and so if you're trying to add whatever that functionality is into whatever interface you build, it's still not going to work because the script app is an app and no apps are available because the dashboard isn't here. Mm -hmm. um, so one way or another, they would have to find some way to get you um, access to that individual piece. And because it's not hooked into anything, it's, it's you know... The only the quickest solution I could think of is like opening it up in just another. But they, even that's hard because if we look, uh, if we look at the base and we open up any particular app, you can see the URL mm -hmm. um, will include whichever app you have in full screen. So let's say if you're in an interface and the button that activates an app opens up in a new tab you'll also notice that it doesn't pass in any additional information so if you're 
script was to say run perform cer- a certain action on a particular record no app is designed <laughs> to do that and no app can be designed to do that because that's not a that's not a thing yeah. so every single app would have to be rewritten <laughs> I mean, what you could do, I guess, like the a really janky kind of workaround would be to have a button that opens up the particular record in a particular view, and like then you have the button right there to run the script. Yes, that is that that is one way that you could do it. Yeah, that's a workaround. <laughs> and lastly, we sort of show that the um, interfaces filter component allows you to filter by current user. And some people were saying, I want to have the same. Well, this doesn't have a collaborator field. I want to have the same sort of functionality in a regular view. You know, it doesn't say current user. Uh, that doesn't make sense for views. And this is the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> it would be great until you realize how how much Airtable relies on what is in a view to control the entire thing. So any script or any automation or any a- anything based in the API um, that relies on what is in a view would vary wildly by who's looking at the base. And there'd be no records in a view if no one was looking at the base at that particular time. Um, the only thing I could think of, which would be changing views uh, or f- view-based filter types as we know them, is to have regular filters like this and then have a visibility filter that is separate from that on top of it. And in the visibility thing, say only show the current user. So it's not affecting what is in the view per se and only showing you what you want to see. I think there's a distinction that would have to be made to copy over that functionality into regular views. Um, and the reason why interfaces has that ability in the first place is because these filters do not affect what's in the view. It's purely a visibility thing. Um, it's you know, right. it's the, the, the instant you try and add it to, to views, it would break more things than it would solve. It really would. <laughs> I agree. Very good. Thank you, Camille. That was awesome. More insight. We're learning every day on uh, what's possible in in the world of interfaces. So that's good. We'll we'll definitely continue that discussion in future weeks. So we're going to move on. We have a special guest with us. I'm going to bring Drew in and move him up so we can see him. Drew, welcome. How are you? Thanks. Great. Thanks for having me, everybody. Yep, glad to uh, have you on our show. So you're uh, a new face for at least uh, the Built on Air community. So we'd love to learn more about you. We'd love to learn kind of your history, what you're up to, and and how you came across Airtable, and how that's kind of impacted your your work life. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Drew Dillon, longtime uh, product manager, product leader, uh, tech startups uh, out here in the in the Bay Area. Um, you know, kind of, uh, I was thinking about what my like no code history was and I was like, probably like geo cities was the first thing that I would classify as no code that made MySpace, So I'll yep. date myself a little there. Um, and then, yeah, I've, you know, mostly worked in startups. So I've always had kind of an engineering team and people that could go build things quickly. But of course there's always that, 
that middle priority of like stuff that I want to get done, that the engineering team is too busy to work on and things that we need to just um, kind of deliver. And that ends up being a lot on the operations side on kind of the back office stuff, um, uh, less user facing. And then, uh, you know, most recently I've been working on a company called Burb. Uh, Burb is really the way we think about it is uh, like a no code app for course and community creators. So if you run a course, you run a community, um, you know, there's just a lot of different components to that. And we started, I think, building in a very specific direction of enablement and uh, automation. What we kept finding as we were working with more and more course creators is inevitably, you know, when you get to a certain level, you know, at a low level, uh, when you're first starting out, you've got 10 students. It's easy enough to like download CSVs and upload it over there and copy this email address over here and that kind of thing. But when you start to scale to teaching, you know, 50, 100, 200 students at a time, that just doesn't work. Um, and it's that point that they start bringing in. And we found kind of 50 different implementations of the same uh, kind of Airtable uh, template where they'd all built their own ops uh, stack on Airtable. They all had kind of like, you know, each one of them had sort of interesting components about ways that they operated their business. But it became pretty obvious to us because we we're working with. 20 plus of these individuals that there was actually a better way and we could actually start to pull all the best of all these components together and deliver kind of a template that would help everybody. And, uh, you know, we're just big believers in building in public and open source. So we decided we're just going to share that template out for everybody, let everybody use it and kind of walk everybody through how it works and why it works that way. And, uh, yeah, just share it with more folks. Cool. And have you been in the education space for a while? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think we, we started thinking about community initially, um, and my co-founder uh, Danielle is actually um, uh, she was she actually was an Etsy seller, one of the first Etsy sellers who got really really successful. She was a goldsmith in Detroit. Later, got pulled in and hired by Etsy as employee number twelve, and built out mm-hmm. the uh, um, basically an education team that then launched all these educational programs through community. And then myself, I was a product manager at Yammer. So I always think about everything in terms of like social, how you communicate, how people work together to get things done. So this is always kind of like, you know, the mashup of community and education kind of all together. Yeah, I remember Yammer. I, I wasn't I wasn't at a company that used it, but definitely familiar kind of the pre-Slack days. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure USC uses Yammer and I've never actually looked at it. At some point, I should. <laughs> yeah, there was a time, especially after we got bought by Microsoft, like the, of course, at Yammer, engagement was like live or die. You need to like have people care about the site in order for us to succeed as a business. But once you get into Microsoft, it's very much about like license sales. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot <laughs> less focus on whether or not people actually care about and use the product. At that yeah. yeah. Very cool. And where, where are you based at? I'm in uh, Berkeley, California. Okay. Yay. <laughs> Everyone I talked to was in Texas and no one's in California anymore. <laughs> yeah, we, we luckily had moved into the burbs before the pandemic, so we could just stay in the burbs. <laughs> Very nice. And how long has uh, Burb been around? Almost exactly a year. Yeah, like uh, 13 months. Wow. And so, yeah, initial phases were very much research based. So what are we doing? Meet a lot of these folks, see what their problems are. Um, and yeah, that's where we kind of kept stumbling across sort of the, the same Airtable impl- implementations over and over again. Um, and then the same challenge, which is like, who maintains it? Uh, you know, if they get really successful, they've paid somebody on Upwork to come in and build them one. But like, 
then they wanted to make a minor tweak to it. And they just didn't necessarily have the skills even to, to like change the, the thing that they wanted around whatever, however the course was evolving. Nice. Cool. Well, we are excited to see what, uh, what uh, you have for us. So if you want to start sharing your screen before yeah. we get to that, we are going to, um, I'm going to sneak in real quick and do a deep, uh, an ad for our primary sponsor on to air. So I kind of tease this at the beginning. Um, and one thing that we'll be launching with our new version of on to air, um, shoot, <laughs> I deleted No, here we go. Okay, our new thing that we're adding to onto air uh, amplify is permissions. So the ability to, uh, so we call our views layouts. So within a layout, you have the ability to, my browser is being very slow, um, to determine who can see a view. So you can lock it down. Um, so if I go into edit a view, Oh, this is going to be painful. My browser is being slow. So you can set up permissions at the view level. So you can say it's visible to everyone or to based off of a role or it's for specific users. Or you can also say these people cannot see it. Anybody else can. So you can set up visibility based off of user or based off of their role or by default uh, layout is visible to everyone. You can also set up permissions around who can create new records, who can edit records, who can delete records, similar permissions on per user um, or per role basis. So that's the ability to set up permissions around the ability to manage um, layouts and records within there. And then the other permission that we have that is unique is the ability to set up filtered records. So what that means is you can go to every table and you can set up a field and have some kind of way that says for these users, that record has to have a value in this field equal to this in order for them to see it. Or you can say um, you can set it up based off of uh, a collaboration field so you can specify a collaborator field and say, as long as the, the current logged in user is in this collaboration field, um, that would be the easiest because you don't have to go to every user and set up a permission of what records they can see. You can just say, you can just lock it based off of collaborator field and do that. Or you can set it up off of a select field and say, this user can only see records with this selection um, set or if a multiple, multiple select, as long as it has this one value. So, or it could be based off of a text field and you can set the text field you can set up. It has to be an exact match of that value. Or if you don't have it exact match, it could be as long as that text is in there. Um, you can make it case sensitive and you can also say these users can see this when there is a match or when there's no match. So you can kind of turn it on or off based off of the value that you set. And then you can also set up a catch-all for any users that aren't configured need to have this value to uh, see it. So very powerful way to set up which records 
users can interact with within the app. This obviously doesn't impact what they can see over on the left. So it's not intended to be a way to hide data from users, but more make it to where if they're only working with specific records that are tied to them, they won't need, they won't see them. They won't show up when they're searching for other records within the table. It'll automatically filter them out. So extremely powerful role-based, user-based permissions on the ability to interact with records and layouts within the Ontario Amplify app. So very powerful coming uh, any day now this week to the, to the marketplace, the latest version with that level of permission. So we're very excited for that and hope that you check it out. With that, we'll finish up uh, learning about um, the Burb app and how that works with Airtable. So Drew, I'll share your screen and then bring you back in. There you are. I, I right, snuck out there for a go. second. I got a yeah. new laptop, so my permissions were all messed up for display. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I thought I'd start here with kind of like an overview of sort of the, the landscape of uh, where course and community folks live. And of course, um, you know, I know the uh, built on air community, of course, lives in some of this as well, where you're applying and getting in access to the uh, uh, to the Slack channel. Um, so often where it starts, you know, there's an application form. I want to join the community. I want to join the course uh, that'll live in Webflow or Airtable, Squarespace. It's just a variety of apps people use um, kind of as the front end. Um, if there's a membership community or a course, then next they'll, they'll usually go to some sort of purchasing uh, Thrivecard or Teachable, sometimes uh, being access uh, access to a private community is a tier on Patreon. Um, so a lot of different purchasing options there. You know, it's after you complete those two, they get access to the communication app. Uh, most commonly, we work with Slack, uh, Circle, and Discord. Um, and then you're, of course, coordinating communication kind of all across the way through some sort of email marketing app, um, ConvertKit, MailChimp, et cetera. And then once you have access to all of these things, then you put them into the learning management platform that contains all of your course materials uh, for teaching a course. And then often you'll you'll have some form of, uh, of events, monthly, weekly, um, even uh, um, a couple times a week in some cases. And so you know that's a it's a big stack. Even you know if you're operating a ten person um, cohort based course, that's that's a lot of work. Uh, even just copying and pasting. And we heard most commonly, you know, the the biggest question that uh, creators here is like, what's the Zoom link? You know, what's, how do I figure out where the Zoom is, the event that I need to go to? And so as they get more advanced, uh, they'll end up start pulling it together with Zapier, uh, Airtable for certain parts of automation. And then, like I said, they'll, um, you know, the really advanced folks get to, uh, you know, ops and data um, kind of all built into a one big Airtable. So with that said, uh, the next, so what we decided to do is really build out, you know, kind of that canonical template, our best practices as we learned along with um, all the, the folks that we've been working with. Um, and it's, I'll walk you through the template itself. Um, so first is the, the student roster. This is where folks come in when they first purchase, when they're first uh, admitted to the, um, uh, to the community. So we built a here just a really simple form, but a lot of times what actually happens here is they'll uh, this is driven by a purchase event. So somebody will go and pay for the community, they'll pay for the course, then they get added to the roster. The next thing you want to do is onboard them. 
Um, so kind of all the different pieces of onboarding, and we'll, we'll walk through these in a minute, just, uh, you know, who they are, um, you know, populate sort of a member directory. It's, it's a best practice to understand and share who's in your community, who else is in your core, see if they've got connections and other ways of kind of, um, you know, adding additional value and additional um, uh, connection between the members of the, of the course or community. Um, we've already pre-set up some cohorts here. So the idea there is you're, if you're teaching a cohort-based course, they're time-based and they're also a certain number of folks that are going to be in them. Uh, so this will allow us to assign people to a cohort and we've got some automations that are actually driven off of that as well. And then relatedly, uh, accountability groups. This is also something that's super powerful in both um, courses and communities. We find um, people wanna know each other and they wanna know each other in, in smaller group settings. Um, so giving people who have common goals, common um, expectations and needs for being there, uh, you know, a group that they can catch up with on a regular basis uh, is a great way of just kind of boosting uh, utilization, interest and kind of value um, through the community or in a course. And of course, you as the, the course creator want to actually know that those things are happening, that people are really getting value out of it. So we built um, basically a form where they can check in and talk about their goals, um, you know, how they're how they're tracking against their goals. Um, what else do we have in here? Uh, assignments. Um, oddly, a lot of learning management platforms don't have the ability to upload assignments. Uh, we heard from a lot of people that like this is, uh, we found at least uh, two or three people that actually only had Airtable just to have a place to upload assignments so that they could, um, you know, submit their assignments week by week. And then lastly, uh, like I mentioned, events. And then all of these will pull back together into a task list. Um, that's actually broken down kind of week by week. So what the course creator needs to do, what they need to know um, kind of week by week based on uh, all those pieces. So if I were to, to clarify my understanding, so what they're actually buying from you is this actual Airtable base as a template? So the, the template is totally free. Okay. Uh, what we do is then we kind of, uh, we'll show you this in, uh, in Zaps in a second, but we go and automate all the rest of these pieces. So as you add somebody to a cohort, add them to the right Slack channel, uh, message them, let them know where they are, remind them uh, as you add them to accountability group, add them to the right Slack channel, message into that Slack channel, share out these forms, you know, just kind of remind them. So we're really the operations and the measurement uh, side of this. And this is really the, uh, the operations and, and the view of uh, all the, the course components as you put them together. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't seen a company, you know, like working. I've thought a lot about this. There, there's definitely some limitations on Airtable side as far as sharing um, these bases. Um, when, when you share the base, so you, you do have scripts or automations built into Airtable or everything is outside like in Zapier? So you yeah. do have automations. Yeah, so it's a little bit of both. And we can actually walk through some of how this will work. Uh, so I've got a, uh, oh, I lost it when I uh, build all this in. So I've got uh, Sam cart set up here, uh, which will dummy up our purchasing flow. Getting it a four two four two. The right to the night number of test four twos. And that won't work in real life, just so people know. <laughs> I have to have your Stripe account set on test and your SAM card yeah. account set on test. <laughs> and so as this purchase goes through, what we then have is a zap. 
um, right now, and this this will be replaced by uh, um, by Burb. Uh, that then we'll just run it to make sure it happens. Maybe details or. Able to make it around last night. Maybe I was not. Let's see if it populates. Yeah. So when it had populated that registered um, table, so that first roster. So what we've got here now is uh, the user is registered. They haven't actually been added to a cohort yet. Uh, the next piece that we'll do is actually add them to a cohort. When we do that, that will fire this automation in Airtable. So when the student is registered, when they're added to a cohort, and it sends them an email, and that email has the onboarding form in it. So go ahead and add Drew to cohort one. We should send our email. Yep, and so now I get the onboarding form. Uh, another kind of common thing uh, that happens because all these systems are disconnected, there's no way of like associating the, the member record. Uh, so something that's really nice about them centralizing it all on Airtable is rather than having the member record be like basically attached by email address where people can either accidentally type the wrong thing um, or, uh, you know, if you have multiple email addresses, this is a big challenge that comes up. Uh, we can just create a, a selector there. Very important to add a really nice profile photo. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, so so if they if they buy this um, your team will then come in, set it all up for them, set up all the automations and the zap. That's essentially the service that you're providing. Yeah, they could have the, the templates free so you can get in there, start using if you want to build zaps against it like we're doing right now. Um, they can go ahead and do that. Uh, then if uh, what you'll see is like a, the more you want to add to it, the, the kind of longer your list of zaps will get. Um, so what we're able to do then is like go in, plug in, make it really, really easy to connect all of these systems up in a more turnkey sort of way, and then also measure and show you kind of your, your funnel as people are moving through each one of these steps. And then the level of engagement, are people completing the course? Are they getting what they want out of the course, et cetera? Yeah. I just think it's cool to show the power of, you know, this is where like that no code buzzword comes into play is you're actually building a business all on these platforms that you know you didn't necessarily build any of the the platforms but you're still providing value and a service by getting them all to work together and bringing all the pieces together yeah it enables us to really rapidly prototype these things some of this functionality i think will eventually exist in burr but a lot of it won't i don't think we'll mm -hmm. go that far down the end like down the course path 
Um, so I think we'll always want to interoperate with, uh, with Airtable and, and folks who use Airtable. Yeah. That's and you can cool. so it does things like building a student directory, which you can then embed. Um, super interested in trying out uh, interfaces more as we um, uh, get further along with the template. It helps students track their progress, um, whether they've been assigned to an accountability group. So similarly, once I add some uh, Drew here to an accountability group, uh, that will actually um, then send the form for the accountability group, just the same way that we saw that before. Uh, for tracking and then also considering like an introduction to everybody else in the accountability group and then uh one last thing there was uh you know kind of the ability to um synchronize uh events And so similarly, what we'll do here, we'll just go ahead and create a simple event. Why is it mad? Oh, didn't name the event. In a couple seconds, that actually populate the event list as well. Um, so you can then share it. Uh, similarly with the with all the students in the course. So just a way of like, you know, really centralizing. We call it course ops in a box, and we'll also be releasing community ops in a box. So just a way of like getting visualization across all the different operations. We'll help you automate all of these things, tie all of those pieces together, and this will be kind of your, your view of what's going on. Any kind of quick success story? How is this being used out in the wild? Yeah, um, we've got probably uh, five to 10 implementations of it right now. Um, I think there's, we support anything from uh, um, entrepreneurship through like specific uh, niche entrepreneurs, um, uh, as well as uh, various creator businesses. Um, so folks, there's a, there are a million kind of businesses built around um, uh, one that we support out of Australia is uh, um Basically, the, the idea is helping musicians become marketers and think of themselves as a business and how to get um, distribution for their, their, uh, for their music. And the you know, really cool um, you know, kind of uh, challenge there is that you know, as you're a creator, you're an artist, you're creating music, you don't necessarily think you know, the, of the business side. How do I get uh, to the next level? Um, so this course helps them break down like the individual steps, seven different steps of seven different types of gatekeeper to get your music on the radio in the right Spotify playlists, get to the right producers. Uh, and that course is it's pretty intensive. Uh, it's a two month cohort based course and they launch a new cohort every month. Uh, so without something like a, an operational template to like visualize all this stuff together, it gets uh, pretty crazy pretty fast. Nice. That's awesome. And now you've got a new tool and interface to introduce to your community and see how that plays with your product. Yeah, and we'd love to. Yeah, we'd love to push it up to the resources page on uh, Built on Air too. So we'll give you a little preview there. We'll, we'll launch this uh, a little bit after Thanksgiving, but uh, we'll, we'll give everybody in the community a preview. Cool. cool. And where can people find out more about it? Uh, yeah, for now you can go to uh, burb.co uh, and look under the resources tab, and then yeah, we'll push it up to the. Uh, uh, resources page on built on air and then uh, we'll do probably our, our full drop 
um, the first week of December uh, through Product Hunt. And then uh, uh, you can sign up for our wait list on the website um, to get notified when that happens. Awesome. That's that's very cool to see businesses being built entirely on Airtable and, and how that plays out. So very cool. Thank you, Drew, for coming on the show today and showcasing. We're glad to meet you and excited to see what Burb uh, does in the future and, and the community and, and products that you guys work on. So thanks for coming on. Awesome. Nice meeting all of you. And thanks uh, all built on air community members. Yep. And that uh, concludes today's episode. So we've got two more episodes before the end of the year, before we'll take December off. So join us next Tuesday. Until then, we are excited to see what you build on air. Take care. Hey, guys. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built On Air podcast.